Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome everybody. What episode are we on today? Episode 25. All right. I'm so excited that you're here. If you have any questions, concerns, complaints, anything, we are here on Instagram <laughs> as well at Modern Yogi Podcast. Modern Yogi Podcast. Modern Yogi Podcast. All right. So please, please follow us on Instagram. Please share this podcast. If you are listening up until chapter four, text 23, which we're on right now, if you are listening and you are loving this podcast, please share it with somebody who you think will also love it. Wonderful. So last episode, we introduced a new little segment called Golden Nuggets. So the last episode we had talked about, we're not this body. It's temporary, material. Rather, we're an eternal soul, a spark of spiritual splendor that enlivens consciousness throughout our whole body. So uh, Golden Nugget of Wisdom number two for today is we are all equal on the spiritual level. All humanity, even animals and plants are of the same spiritual nature. And what is this nature? The nature of the soul is happiness. But when we identify with the material body and mind, we lose touch with our natural happiness. Yes, mm. it's true. And it's also about like treating everybody the same way, right? Like there's, right. This, there's a picture of Obama where he was like giving props to the janitor, right? It's like treating everybody the same regardless yeah. of where they are because everyone else, everyone has a soul and Krishna yeah. is also inside of them and understanding right. that we're all in the equal plane. Please. Right. That's such a key point because when someone hears like we often talk about this human form of life is like is such a key life form to take advantage of. I had a friend once ask me, but like, wait a minute, are you guys saying that we're better than other species? Like there's a hierarchy? And I said, no, 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 no. We're all the same and equal on the spiritual level because we're all a soul. The soul yes. is the same. That automatically mm. taps into this notion of complete eternal equality. We're right. all the same. It's just our external body that changes due to our consciousness, right. what we're desiring in previous lives. And that's just the vehicle. That's that's shallow. That's not eternal. Yeah, right. we, we all have souls, but a little doggy has a little soul too. And that doesn't make our soul better than a little doggy soul. It's right, all right. the same soul. And yeah. I wouldn't even say Equal. it's not a little soul. It's a soul. It's a soul. Yeah. It's the same size size soul. Whether it's a squirrel or a caterpillar or a hamster, it's all the same size soul. Right. No little big soul. I mean, imagine the soul for, uh, okay, I don't know if you guys know this children's book, uh, Clifford the Red Big Dog. Oh my God. I just (laughs) talked about that last night that I used to watch Clifford the Big Red Dog along with Arthur. I mean, that's a giant dog. Do you think its soul is any different than our soul? Nope. There you go. So both Clifford, fictional character. Both Clifford and a little chihuahua have the same size soul is what we're concluding. And we. we so human beings human beings yeah there yes. you go okay right, that right. was a great glad we clear that up beautiful all right <laughs> any other things in the synopsis of what we read in the last episode so we're basically talking about the things we need to encapsulate with it like almost like a checklist we had said to invite this transcendental knowledge because this is ultimately what's going to connect us to the supreme we have to remember we're eternally yes. servants of krishna mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything we do ultimately should try to be connected to him yeah whether we're doing our temporary work or our temporary dharma or our eternal dharma. It can all be dovetailed or connected to Krishna through our consciousness. Yeah, and so Krishna's kind of telling us, like, here are some of the things to understand transcendental knowledge better, Mm. right? If you uh, are grateful for the things that come towards you on their own, if you are free from duality, if you um, are not envious, if you are equipoised and you're okay with success and failure, right? Yes. You kind of are steady with either one. 
Um, if you are all of those things, you have a whole lot less chance to come back to this world and reincarnate, kind of reincarnate and, and suffer. And, right. You know. And then you're free. You're light. You don't carry the burden of like, I'm in charge of my success and failure. It's me, me, me. I'm the doer. And you know what's interesting? It's almost like when you hear this concept of servant, we want to become eternal servants of Krishna. Well, we are eternal servants. We just have to remember our true identity mm. that's dormant within. But it's interesting because when you think of this concept of servant, you think, ah, that's no freedom that takes away all my freedom. But in fact, when you abandon all these, like they're like weights we carry around. If it's all me, I'm the doer and through our ego that weighs you down. So through this so-called freedom, it's the opposite. It's the inverse. But when you tap into your eternal nature as a servant, then you're free. So it's someone like takes a, off the 50 pound weights. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It's kind of like, it might not be, it almost might be counterintuitive to someone who first hears that, but it's true through becoming a servant and tapping into your eternal nature, you become so free. And yeah. Light. Like for example, I mean, this is a maybe silly example, but if you get a personal trainer, like now you don't have to worry about knowing whether you're doing something right. correctly about knowing what the plan is for the day, for what you have to work out. Like they're right. helping you and guiding you in that process. And so similarly, Ideally, we're learning from, about the Bhagavad Gita from a spiritual teacher, right? Yes. Someone who can guide us in this process, who takes a little bit of the weight off, who guides us oh, in the I process, right? And right. so the idea of Krishna being kind of the ultimate teacher, being kind of a, it's like he takes the weight off when we rely on him, yes. right? When we say mm-hmm. like, you are, you know, the source of all sources. I don't know, <laughs> another he way of saying it. He's the ultimate spiritual trainer. Yes. Right. Oh, <laughs> beautiful analogy. Review him on Yelp, okay? Just right. like, <laughs> Krishna is on the modern, po- uh, modern yogi podcast. The modern yogi that's, podcast. That's where you're Just kidding. <laughs> Love right. that. Should we do um, our invocation prayers? Or? Yeah, I forgot. Do this. I forgot for We're just second. so excited to start. <laughs> okay. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. All right, mm-hmm. ladies, we are on chapter four, text number 23. Boom, bam. I Boom, gotcha. Bam. Yes. The work of a man who is unattached to the modes of material nature and who is fully situated in transcendental knowledge merges entirely into transcendence. Okay, Mm. one more time. What? (laughs) The work work of a man who is unattached to the modes of material nature. Okay, so that means goodness, passion, and ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. Right, you can view them as like puppeteers. We're puppets here, and we're just totally being influenced and carried by these different modes in different degrees. So unattached in the sense would mean like not being tied to that puppeteer line, like kind of like, oh, that is the mode of passion. I'm not going to engage. Exactly. I only need to engage because of work, so I'm not going to engage furthermore. Like being kind of aware Uh of the modes like passion, goodness, and ignorance and how they affect us. Right. Right. Like if someone gets super angry, instead of acting upon that blindly with wrath, you're going to just... Take a breath. I'm not going to let myself be controlled by these different emotions, these different modes that are coming, mm. up, like possessing my body almost. 
And through like meditating and yoga, we're trying to detach ourselves more and more. So like, for instance, like say you're a stock trader on like the New York Stock Exchange mm. and that's your job, right? That is a very mode of passion type of job. Yes. Right? Right. Very, you're like the, the market goes up, the market goes down and it's like it can play a, such a big toll on all of your emotions, right? right. So being unattached, so you can be a trader, but once you are unattached to profit and loss, like that is like where the spiritual knowledge comes through because mm. you're still still in the mode of passion, right? Well, like, it, I mean, in one sense, they have to still be attached to whether they're making money because that's their job. True. But the reality is more so like you do your best. Knowing yes. that you've done your best in your job, you ultimately can't control everything else, mm -hmm. right? And being yeah. unattached exactly. to whatever happens. Yeah. 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 It's almost like you have this greater knowledge. I know that this is just, I'm almost like an actor in a play. This life right now isn't the end on it all be all. So it gives you some perspective. And so for example, like the modes, I don't know when they're playing out or I almost had the flash of a thought when I'm about to give a speech in front of a, a class, I'm nervous, but I kind of tried to take a few steps back and think this is all already happened. This is just, I'm like, I'm in a play, just kind of put a little distance between what, what's, go, what, what's going on in your life and what you're about to do. Ooh. So you're still there. I'm acting it out, but I'm a little bit detached. It's hard mm, though, because it like, yeah. it's like easier said than done in oh, so yeah. many ways, right? Because we're so attached to like, whether it rains, like it's a hundred degrees in LA and it was like <laughs> literally almost a hurricane the other day. And like, this affects us. Not right? almost. There was definitely there a hurricane. There was definitely a hurricane. <laughs> it was called, I think it was like El Nina or something like that. No. I don't know. La Nina? My no. Spanish oh, grandma, you I'm like surrounded by two Spanish speakers and I attempted to speak Spanish and the eyes that they gave me I was attempting they're like no girl that's not how you say it listen I was not correcting you for your Spanish it's called something completely different it was wrong it was just a lot wrong anywho but we're not attached to the things that happen to us right easier said than done yeah. So it says that person who is fully tr situated in transcendental knowledge, so the knowledge of the Gita, the knowledge of everything that we're trying to learn about right now, emerges entirely into transcendence. Mm -hmm. Transcendence is like what? What would we describe transcendence as? Well, the word transcendental is like it transcends this material world. So in this material world, everything has a beginning, a middle and an end. And if it transcends it, it goes beyond what the temporary, beyond having a beginning, middle and an end. And we're tapping into something eternal something with substance that's always going to be there. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's basically the definition. Uh, existence or experience beyond the normal or physical level. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I love that. So that's our job. That's what we got to do. We got to be unattached the, to the modes, the three modes that we're going through, and then fully situated in what Krishna is trying to teach us. Yeah, right, understanding right. that we're more than this body, this world, this existence. Right. So whatever we do, we know that we're doing for Krishna. And, you know, we had talked a lot about sacrifices in previous uh, episodes. So therefore, if we know that everything's done for Krishna, everything becomes technically a sacrifice because sacrifice aims at pleasing Krishna, the supreme person. So that's why everything becomes a sacrifice for Krishna. Mm. Love that. All right. Text 24. 24. A person who is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness is sure to attain the spiritual kingdom because of his full contribution to spiritual activities in which the consummation is absolute and that which is offered 
is of the same spiritual nature. Okay, okay let's say two parts. So I think it's like two parts to this, right? Yes. A person who is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, great. What, that's what we're trying to attain for, right? Mm-hmm. Every single day of our lives is sure to attain the spiritual kingdom. So what does that mean? We get we get to go back to Krishna. Yes. So that breaks the sty- cycle of birth and death, right? Yeah. That's what spiritual kingdom essentially Right. Means. We basically go back to being just a soul. We don't have... Um, disease, old age, or any of those things, we get to kind of exist happily with Krishna. Right, because we're in a bit of an awkward situation here because we're this eternal soul trapped in a material world, in a material body. So here it says in the purport, a conditioned soul is entangled in material contamination. So thus we're sure to act in a material atmosphere. But yet... Our awkward position is we have to get out of this environment. And then the process by which our conditioned soul can get out of this atmosphere is Krishna consciousness. Mm. Because of his full contribution to spiritual activity. So everything that he did that was spiritual yeah. got him or her back to the spiritual kingdom. Where or they, is. them. Or they, them. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Pronouns. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> got it. Now, here's the part that I have trouble with. It says the second part of this is in which the consummation, okay, all right, is absolute and that which is offered is of the, is of the same spiritual nature. What does that sentence mean? In which the consummation is absolute and that which is offered is of the same spiritual nature. Consummation is absolute. So is this means that we're continuing our spiritual activities? Um... Well, let me look up consummation. There we go. All right, give us um, the definition. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba. Keep it PG. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The point at which something is complete or finalized. Mm. So in which the final... <clears throat> Wait, hold on. Let me read that sentence. Finalization. Again. Yes. Fi- no, but I know. But of what? Uh, the finalization is absolute. Of what? That's what I'm trying to understand. Maybe it's the... Okay. So of this person's full contribution to spiritual activities... Maybe like we're fully, oh yes 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 yeah yes, we're right? fully consumed with everything is about Krishna our the the consummation the end all be all we're fully consumed by Krishna for Krishna to Krishna so then whatever we offer is that the same spiritual nature is going to be for Krishna yeah I think you got it it's kind of a continuing long sentence it's just saying the contribution which finalizes in in its absolute and it's still in the spiritual nature so the person who is in Krishna consciousness. Explain this to a five-year-old. Like, explain this <laughs> verse to a five-year-old. All right. Yeah. A person who is fully absorbed in Christian consciousness. So I got I to gotta say, there's a distinction. I think they're using the word fully absorbed for reason. I think we're talking about people who, like, every breath, every word, every... We're talking about the gurus. Yes. Right? Or Something the, the, that we're attaining. The most, the most trying achieved, to attain, yeah. the, Exactly. That's the, the highest goal of what, what we're trying to aspire for. So a person like that in Krishna consciousness is sure to go back to Krishna because... His, all his contributions to, uh, to his spiritual activities, which are finalized fully with the same spiritual intention or nature, Ooh, right? I so like, like their service is, right. it's all kind of spiritual. Everything yes. they're doing, they're engaged fully. They're contributing, like everything is kind of spiritual. So That's you do just, good spiritual activities your whole life. You will end up with Krishna doing more spiritual activities. Yeah. Okay. I, I, have a, I have a silly story. I'm going to change the name of the people. I'm actually not even going to say Do names. it. Okay. So there's this person and uh, we were having a conversation about like, if you, okay, this might be a lot of information, but um, every about 14 days, most Hare Krishnas will fast. And these fasts are like, you just don't eat grains, meaning like beans and rice. And, and this day is called? Ikadashi. 
or as, or as my partner calls it, ekadashi. Ekadashi. <laughs> ekadashi. Okay, ekadashi. perfect. Um, and so it's, it's just like, I know there's other religions that do this because I was talking to someone recently and they mentioned that they do the same thing. But anyways, it's just a day in which you focus more on your spiritual uh, activities. You cook really simply. You don't spend your whole day like trying to figure out your food. You eat very simply and Simple. it happens two times a month. Yes. Okay. On Roughly. like a cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like a lunar calendar. Anyways, right. the point being I was having a conversation with someone and we were talking about the significance of these day and every one of these days, so it's kind of a lunar calendar and they're all mapped out for the year, right? So every one Ekadashi has like a story behind it mm. and it will be like, on this day, if you fast, you go back to Krishna. <laughs> That's mm. like kind of like what every story says, yes. right? And so this person and I were having a conversation and he's like, well, then why do I have to do anything else after that? Why can't I just do one oh, Ekadashi? You know why? Because of all of the bad crap that we do in between the two weeks. That's <laughs> exactly. why. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Bad karma that we build up. And I think that exactly pertains to this because it's fully absorbed, always doing spiritual activities. It's a continuous thing that finally ends in continuing to do spiritual things. Yes. Like It's an ongoing process because honestly, those lines that keep us attached to this world, we are building them every mm -hmm. single day. And they right. can be as simple as like honking at someone while they're yeah, driving and right? they're having a bad day. You can do a kadashi the day before that and then all of your sins are purified and the next day you cut somebody off and someone like gives you the finger and exactly. then all you're like, oh man, I have more bad karma. Right. <laughs> right. Or good karma. Or you can do karma. something really nice the next also day true. and then that still keeps you here. So like yes. this Krishna conscious movement is kind of a towards like getting rid of all the karma in a general sense. And it's an ongoing process mm, to be right. fully absorbed in. Right, they're right. fully consumed. This is everything for them. And we want to get to that goal. That's our yeah. stage. That's what we're aspiring to. That's our goal. To. Yeah, right. yeah. It's good to clarify that because it is not easy, right? Right, mm. right. Imagine. And I love there's a line here that says the material veil can be removed at once by Krishna consciousness. And you know what? For us that we're striving, maybe someone on the highest, highest platform, the veil is totally gone. But sometimes you let, get little glimpses. I like to think like we yes. lift the veil a little and wow it feels right in reach and then the veil closes again but then the veil opens up again a little so you get little glimmers little glimpses of wow if I'm tasting this right now and I'm feeling this what must someone else who's on a high high platform like the gurus who dedicate yes. everything to the veil must be fully removed and they're in constant contact and communication with yeah. the other side of the veil. I love that. You said removing the veil. It's kind of like what Oprah says is like those aha moments, you know, <laughs> in spiritual life is like, if you like would take one step towards spirituality and God consciousness and Krishna consciousness, it's like, sometimes you get these aha moments where mm. you're like, oh crap, this is what life is all about. Oh, oh man. You yes, know what I mean? Right. And those are the beautiful moments where the veil is lifted. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Right, right. That's so true. I think you can experience that in material ways, but it's never as fulfilling, right? Yeah. Like, for example, someone who starts working out and they get really into it and they start like, oh, my God, I can breathe better. Mm. Or, oh, th doesn't my back doesn't hurt as much. It's like this like glimmers of hope. But it's like it, it's material. Yes. And so it's not going to be like as fulfilling as kind of going through this process and learning more and being connected and right. everything that goes right until then we can as we've spoken before dovetail everything for krishna consciousness because here there's a line that says matter or whatever anything that could be matter our car or anything material can be matter or is matter so matter dovetailed or channeled for the cause of krishna for him regains its spiritual quality so meaning anything material can be utilized for his service yeah i think that line it's, it uses absolute truth right yeah. it uses the word absolute truth as a way to refer to Krishna and I just wanted to clarify that because it will come up again mm -hmm. and yeah it's a uh, good point to bring it up yeah so the definition for absolute truth is 
whatever is always valid regardless of parameters or context. Right. So we're used to things being relative, temporary, subjective, and absolute meaning. Beyond all of that, it's always going to remain true. Yes. So, so Krishna is considered to be the absolute truth. And so sometimes you'll see right. that as a reference. Guys, right. there, there's a really... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm going to talk about something related. So please continue. <laughs> no, go for it. I'm going to talk about bowel movements because okay. it's, in the, it's in the purport. Well, uh, okay. This line was connected, <laughs> but why don't we segue into bowel movements and then I'm going to bring it back to this. It was all connected to this matter point. Go yeah, for it. Okay, perfect. Good. Because I'm really excited to talk about this. Guys, guy. I can <laughs> see. I can see. I'm, so, like, I'm like smiling from ear to ear. Okay, we're teaching. I love Five fart stuff old. and like bowel stuff. Okay, so Prabhupada <laughs> writes. Prabhupada <laughs> writes. Okay, it's not me, guys. Uh-huh. Okay, Prabhupada writes. So, for example, a patient who is suffering from a disorder of the bowels he over, <laughs> oh, due to the overindulgence in milk products is cured by another milk product, namely curd. Right. So, what does this mean? So, basically, if you're 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 lactose intolerant, yeah, if you're lactose intolerant, sometimes it's good to have more milk products because hmm. it cures you. I mean, we're not doctors here, okay? But I'm sure that this is like cure for some people. And it, and what is the point of all this, right? The materially absorbed conditioned soul, which is us, can be cured by Krishna consciousness as set forth here in the Gita, right? So we are a product of this material nature, right? Mm. And Krishna consciousness is something that we are living in in this material world too. It can also cure us, Mm. right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because uh, our bodies are part of this material nature, but our soul is Krishna consciousness and spiritual. So it makes sense. I just want to say bowels so many times, guys. That's it. (laughs) Really, well, I thank really you so this. much. Thank we you. Really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really like this purport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pro guys. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> so back to then. Uh, matter <laughs> dovetailed for the cause of the absolute <laughs> Alrighty. The next line to that, and this is all in the purport of text 24. If you're interested to read it more, there's all kinds of stuff about bowel movements and the quality of matter. Yes. Anyway, it says Krishna consciousness is the process of converting the illusory consciousness into the supreme. So what's illusory consciousness? I'm going to throw the hot seat on you, Priya. What's illusory consciousness? That's a great question. <laughs> Ooh, that's Maya, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. basically everything that's that's covering us in illusion. And you know, actually, here it's a, an interesting line. It says, the absolute truth, or as we established, Krishna. Everything is Krishna's energy, Krishna conscious. When it's covered by Maya or illusion, it's called matter. So we're trying to regain the spiritual name. Everything can be spiritual and utilized for Krishna. So we're trying to regain that essential quality. So we're trying to remove Maya? Right, right. We're Ooh. trying to remove the layers. <laughs> or like... <laughs> Get yeah. out of your like matrix, right? It's I like know. take the blue pill or the red pill. Like but we've, we're taking... Which one are we taking? I can't remember which one was a good one or not. But like one of them is Maya, which is the illusionary, illusionary energy, right? Um, and then uh, I can't remember... The other one was like... Yeah, you, like know, you know who would know which one's which? <gasps> Our producer. Yeah, which one? Sir, I, the, I, think the blue, I think it's time for a Golden Nugget. All right. I'm honored to be part of the golden nugget moment. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. I mean, you've been here the whole time. <laughs> Before you go into whatever you're going to say, do you know which one is the, the right pill? The blue or the red? Which one's the one? Blue pill is illusion. Red pill is reality. Okay. Ooh. So we're, we're at red. Got it. Yeah. Sure. According to the matrix, which, you know, the Shastras say in the matrix that <laughs> that is the correct way. Love that. Um, so what I wanted to say about the point of illusion yeah. is that um, illusion, I think, is anything that is not as it seems. Right. And right. we might think of illusion in the context of, oh, like a magic show or mm-hmm. I got tricked or scammed. But 
our every waking moment, if we are in uh, the wrong consciousness, is actually illusion. Such like I point. can illustrate it this way. For example, if I am just a average person who gets up every day, goes to my work so that I can earn money, so that I can enjoy life. That itself is an illusion because we are not going to be allowed to enjoy life. We, ha we are subject to the laws mm -hmm. of karma and the engagement of other living entities. And we, we can't control our yes. every... So the, the, the impetus in which we do our everyday activity, that itself, if we think of it that way, is illusory. Right. At the end of the day, everybody, like you look at most uh, capitalists, materialists, they're earning so much wealth. They're trying to get the, to the highest goal. They'll take nothing at the end of the day right. with them yeah, when they when leave. They die, yeah. So it's all illusion. Right. So yeah. the only thing that is not illusion is moving in the direction of the absolute truth. Mm. I love that Krishna. point. So well said. Beautiful. Thank you. That definition is so important that you said illusion is what some, whatever it is that it doesn't seem that way. So like this world, that's such a good point because this world, like you said, he gave the example, if we think the goal is to just make a ton of money, mm. we can't take any of that with us anyway. So this world is, we're missing the point. It's not what it seems. We're not just here to enjoy. We're totally missing the point. We're yeah. here to use this human life to evolve and to grow and to get out of here and go to our eternal home. Yeah. And even, even if you were to say like, well, okay, I'm going to die and I'm not going to use the money, you know, when I die, a lot of people might think like, well, but I'm going to get to use it before I die. Right. Yeah. And, and I, uh, Abjad and I have had conversations and the reality of it is, it's like you work and you work and you work. And the reality is you're kind of leaving money for your family later on, but mm -hmm. you are just working like most yes. of your life until you're 60, what, seven years old. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's like, Oh, now you get to enjoy after 67 years old. And at that point, it's like, what? What's the, this right. is the point. This whole idea of making money, it's really right. just like your temporary duty. And, and if we are kind of unattached to that money and the things mm -hmm. we get and we just live our lives and we do our services and, you know, you can every now and then go on a vacation. No one's saying you can, but <laughs> just yep. understanding the reality of right. this world. And what, our, and what our job is and what our spiritual path is. And it's so true. You can't take anything with you. It reminded me of something my mom was talking about the other day because she was there the the night my grandma passed away. My grandma has had this huge, uh, like in Argentina, they have flats, not houses in the big city. So she has a huge flat in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And with all, she's accumulated, walking into her flat looks like a museum with mm. tons of stuff. And my mom got to be there the night she passed away. She in fact, you know, was holding her hand through it all. And my mom talked the other day about that morning, she was looking at her and it was very difficult, you know, having to say goodbye to your parent but she was right. looking at my grandma when moments ago she had been this breathing body and there her body was still warm but it was not moving mm -hmm. and around her was a whole lifetime of things she's accumulated mm, prized yes. objects uh, different everything you can imagine yeah. she accumulated in her apartment and she took none of that away with her when she left she was just lying there in her little pink nightgown just mm. yeah from one moment before she was animated in there and engaging with all these things she had accumulated her old life yeah. and the next moment it's gone. And it's all gone. Yeah, and we spend so much of our life just accumulating possessions and possessions and possessions mm. and memories and memories right. and memories. And so, we don't take any of that. Right. So like Abhijit said, that is the definition of illusion. It, this world is not what it seems. We're yes. not here to enjoy all these things we spend a whole life accumulating. Because, yeah. you know, you can't take any of that when you leave anyway. It's that's gonna why it's going to all go. Yeah, that's why it's so important to try to understand this transcendental knowledge. Yes. Right, right. Well, well said.
Right. So this all started with the line, Krishna consciousness is the process of converting the illusory consciousness, which we talked about what illusion is, into the supreme and make that your end all be all. There's one final line here that I think is so interesting that it ties into this concept of yagyas that we've already talked about. It says, when the mind is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, it is said to be in samadhi or trance. I love that word trance because we're talking about this chapter is transcendental knowledge. So when we are able to fully absorb in Krishna consciousness, it does become like a trance. And then it says anything done in such transcendental consciousness is called yagya or sacrifice for the absolute. So meaning that a yagya doesn't have to be some elaborate fire sacrifice. We laid out in previous chapters, all the different types of yagyas is basically when we're able to situate our minds fully on Krishna, we become in this trance like state and anything done from this transcendental mindset is going to be a sacrifice or a service to Krishna. That is yagya. And I think like trance can also be like that, that what we feel when we're in meditation too. Yeah. Right? When we're in kirtan. When we're in kirtan or we're doing right. japa, which is mm -hmm. like um, solitary, like chanting of the names, like on specific yeah. beads and whatnot. You can fall into this beautiful trance. And we're, like, if you get super into it, uh -huh. that is the best feeling in the world. We are transported through a trance, through transcendental knowledge. Do, do, do. <laughs> that was awesome. That was Shami cool. loves mysticism and like, <laughs> and she's so well spoken. Um, I love that. You love guys, that. you guys. I love that. All right. Text number 25 shamali okay some yogis perfectly worship the demigods by offering different sacrifices to them and some offer sacrifices in the fire of the supreme brahman yeah so we talk about like uh, worshiping demigods you know the the servants of krishna and they're in charge of different things i remember like for diwali time there's this goddess lakshmi right she is the goddess of wealth, yep. right? Money, money, mm. money, right? And so like she is worshipped a lot during Diwali time. And I remember mm. growing up and every <laughs> every single Diwali, we had to clean our house for like two weeks straight because <laughs> I think allegedly like Lakshmi Devi doesn't like dirty houses. Mm. I heard that somewhere, right? And I think it's true because wow. my mom has like drilled it into me. So she doesn't like dirty houses. So we cleaned for like two weeks. And also like we were just, um, we were offering different things around um, Diwali time. Why? Because Lakshmi grants wealth, right? And a clean <laughs> house and you do the right pujas, you offer the right things, and then wealth comes into your house, right? So that's mm. how I was trained around Diwali time is to, to worship some of these demigods. And that's okay. We can respect demigods, but that wealth shouldn't be our end all goal. Right, um, right. That unlocked a memory for me and it's super random. But it. I remember uh, we lived in this super small town in Texas when I was younger and uh, we had a small, like, a group of people who were interested in Krishna consciousness. And most of them were, it was kind of a lot of Hispanics because it was Texas and a small town. Right. But there was, like, one Indian family, and they invited us over to their place once. And I don't think I knew what Diwali was at that point. Really? Because you got to understand something. Growing up in Krishna consciousness does not mean you understand all the Indian traditions and things. Right. But right. Diwali is about Lord Rama, which is an avatar of Krishna. But we didn't have Lord Ram deities in Venezuela. Uh, like I, it, you don't necessarily sense. like would see that as, you know, like you might learn about Lord Ram, but you might not yeah. learn about Diwali specifically. Interesting. I actually didn't see like a big Diwali celebration until I came to Houston where there was like a lot of, um, you know, an Indian population. And so it was like a lot more celebrated. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I remember like going in and I thought it was just the coolest. Like I just thought this was what Indian people did mm -hmm. I also didn't really know much about Indian people at that point yeah and um 
And they gave all the kids envelopes with money yes. when you walk in. It was kind of like, Diwali's like our Chinese New Year a little bit. Yeah, you know I, mean? I was yeah. like, oh, I, I didn't really understand it. But like yeah. now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, that's probably what yes, they were celebrating. right? Huh? And they, they say that goddess Lakshmi likes when money is circulated, right? Like she doesn't like when people hoard money and mm. like be cheap about it. She likes when it's circulated. And like my mom got maybe just get like 20 coconuts every t- every Diwali. So apparently <laughs> Lakshmi Devi likes coconuts too. So. Well. All know. the demigods like coconuts. Every, Krishna every, likes coconuts. Everyone loves coconuts. I'm sorry, who doesn't like coconuts? <laughs> and Smashing Coconuts, you know? <laughs> My God. That's okay. the name of our next album, Smashing Coconuts, <laughs> by the modern yogi girls. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyways, back to the actual okay, text. Okay, so that's the first part, right? So some yogis perfectly worship the demigods, as we talked about, by offering different sacrifices like coconuts, right? Now here's the second <laughs> part, okay? And some of them offer sacrifices in the fire of the supreme Brahman. Right. So what, what is Brahman. the Supreme Brahman? That's yes. kind of like the impersonal energy of Krishna. We had talked, we talked about, about this. Yeah. yeah. Krishna can present himself through like the energy. So that's the, when someone feels connected to the universe, I'm out in nature and I feel connected to the creation. You're yes. feeling his impersonal nature because as we know, Krishna is a very real personality that we can right. connect with in a very personal, intimate, loving way. But mm-hmm. Sometimes it's harder for someone, especially if they're hearing for all of this for the first time, it's harder to connect to the personal side. Someone might, first step one, feel the energy when you're on a walk on the beach in nature in the yeah. mountain. That oftentimes is what someone might feel initially. Yeah. Connected to that impersonal Which is side. amazing. It's amazing to get to yeah, that first yeah. step. And then after that, it's amazing to be able to kind of connect a personality to who right, God is, right? Yes. Like that's like the next step. So um, they're just talking about different yogis and who they might worship yeah Mm -hmm. right because they're kind of saying i love the first line a person engaged in discharging duties in krishna consciousness is also called a perfect yogi or a first class mystic so basically with that line they're saying our topmost goal is to serve krishna we don't need to serve all the other demigods and do all these yagyas we we, we're going directly to krishna but then it says okay but there's others who sacrifice the supreme brahman or the impersonal feature of the lord Okay, and there's basically different sacrifices in terms of different categories. But ultimately, all these different categories are only superficial varieties of sacrifices because ultimately a sacrifice means to satisfy the Supreme Lord. And, and we've talked about this. this. is the CEO and the cosmic managers and like yeah. all of that, right? At the end of the day, it's like, you know, we just have to please the CEO and everyone else gets a paycheck too. Yeah. Right, because basically all the different <laughs> varieties. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All the sacrifices can be divided into two primary divisions. Here it says, namely sacrifice of worldly possession. So that means when someone tries to do a sacrifice for my own gain, I want to gain wealth and money and for me and my family. Or number two, it can be divided into sacrifice in pursuit of transcendental knowledge. Mm. And that we want to ultimately strive for oh, that. Oh, I see, I see. So we're talking about the difference between... A doing an act for trying to understand better versus like let me give money to children on Diwali so that Lord Lakshmi gives me is pleased and she gives 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 me me back is that the sentiment right right, exactly makes sense so it's Mm. all we can be doing the same action on the outside but there's a difference all in your consciousness the internals are what count or like or like when you offer food to Krishna but you're really hungry so you're offering because you just want to eat it like that's not good because that's (laughs) that's not the intention but we're guilty of all all of us are guilty of that let's be honest (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) right it's interesting it breaks it down in the purport into three categories so in Krishna consciousness we sacrifice material possessions for the satisfaction of the supreme lord of Krishna 
Next stage, while others who might want some temporary material happiness sacrifice material possessions to satisfy demigods. We've talked about that. When you want something temporary material in this world, you might go to different demigods. And others who are impersonalists, they might sacrifice their identity to merge into the existence of the impersonal Brahman. So we talked Ooh. about this impersonal Brahman as being the, the energy. The so light. You, the light. So when you meditate, it's kind of like mindfulness. You're trying to, when, when we, we call meditation, we're trying to directly connect to Krishna, to the person versus something like mindfulness might be like, I'm closing my eyes and I'm trying to empty my thoughts and connect to the energy. That's Can what you we're read that last about. sentence you said about impersonalists? It yeah. said sacrifice their yeah. identity. Oh, I see it here. I sacrifice their identity by merging into the existence. So it's like- That's the third level. Number wow. one, connect to Krishna. Number two, okay, we want some temporary happiness. We'll connect to the demigods. Number three, we sacrifice our- What's the line? Identity. <laughs> Our identity for, uh, by merging into the existence of impersonal So like, Brahman. let me just like meditate on like the light. Yes. But not just that. It's it, like, I, I found it interesting. Sacrifice their identity. It's like, I'm not anything. I am just a, a light that, that will merge into one. Right. Like, is that kind of sound like some Burning Man kind of exactly. stuff, Exactly. Right? Because you know? you know what? Totally. Because <laughs> in, in that culture of oftentimes in Burning Man, you might hear someone say, we're all one. We're mm. all the same, but it's like, hold up, hold up. You're totally we have individuality. You're to uh huh. You're brisk, you're making a big brushstroke on something that's so much deeper and more intricate. That's why the line comes to my mind in the Gita. You often hear the phrase part and parcel right. because we are part of, of Krishna. Yes, our soul contains the same elements of Satchit Ananda, knowledge, bliss. What is Satchit Ananda, Shama? Putting you on the hot Eternality, uh -huh. <laughs> bliss. And full knowledge. Beautiful. Boom. Ooh. So yes, we are that part of Krishna that's within us, but we also, as Priya said, we have our individuality. We're right. not all just one. It's not like our soul will merge into the light and just become a big mush and a giant soul. Nah. I big mean, mush. <laughs> <laughs> we have individuality. We have personality. There's more flavor in the uh, eternal spiritual world. All right. I love that. Anything else for this text? I just want to kind of remind. So basically here we're just talking about the different types of sacrifices or worship that people do. So that we're talking about yogis. We're talking about people who are more impersonalist. And so it continues right. on to text 26, right? Right. And how ultimately the top, top, top is devotional love for Krishna, Krishna. consciousness. Yeah. yeah. All right. Text 26. Some. Bracket. The, <laughs> I was like, do I say it or do yeah, I yeah. not say it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Some, bracket, the unadulterated brahmacharis, bracket, sacrifice the hearing process and the senses in the fire of mental control and others, bracket, the regulated householders, bracket, sacrifice the objects of the senses in the fire of the senses. Okay. I think let's break it down. Break it down a second. Because <laughs> I was like, they, what did I just read? They threw these words like brahmacharis <clears throat> and householders where someone just joining us might be like, hold up, what are they talking yes. about? So basically it's saying like, Whatever phase of life you're in, and uh, in the Vedas, they divide it into four divisions of human life, namely the brahmacharis who are kind of the, the students. students. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, and men. 
right? More specifically, barmachars are men. People yeah. who are not married. But there's barmacharinis and they're so women. Unmarried men and women. Right. And they're in the phase where you might see a brahmachari who's some <laughs> a, a young boy who's living in an ashram, studying the scriptures. He's in the students' phase of life. Yeah, it's like up to I think there's like an age situation. Right. I, I don't remember if it's 18 or 25, but it's like up to I think it's up to 25. And it's just like when you're learning. Right. You're, just, right. you're a student, Spiritual, you're learning, and you're single. That's, yeah. and that's this, your life. This verse is basically saying, so whether you're a brahmachari and you're offering up the hearing process and the senses in the fire of mental control. So they're trying to always hear scripture. So increase their knowledge in that way. And also their senses. They're trying to be controlled and trying to channel their senses into learning all of this transcendental knowledge. So whether you're a brahmachari or on the flip side, you could be a householder. You don't just have to be in that department of being a student. You can have a family, a job, a career, trying to do all of that and also offer up different things. In this case, the objects, ooh, the objects of mm-hmm, the senses. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah, I, I can break it down more if you want. So basically, but actually, some people sacrifice um, their time in sense of like spending more time learning knowledge and all of that. And right. some people sacrifice instead of time, more so uh, money and objects and depending right. on their stage in life in which they're in, right? right so that's right, kind right. of the gist. And I want to say like the difference, brahmacharis are not just students of any kind. It's kind of a, in, in Krishna consciousness, it's a specific kind of uh, thing you sign up for. Like you'll say like, I would like to be a, become a brahmachari. You might join and live at the temple. Like a celibate monk. Yeah, right. you are. Yep. You don't always have to be, but yes, that's, that's the majority of the time. And right. you're there literally for the purpose of learning about spiritual knowledge and and so I just didn't want to make it like oh anyone's a brahmachari if they're students right like right, it's like right. a specific compromise that you make you are not uh, yeah you're not looking to find a partner at that time yeah you're, no girlfriends no boyfriends <laughs> you're <laughs> looking to live a really simple life actually yes. you probably have very like you're just doing service at the temple and learning and you know eating whatever is offered to Krishna like very simple lifestyle so and then whereas householder is like a husband and wife situation right like we're talking about. Um, they have the most facility to provide financially because usually right. they have to provide for their own family and therefore they're already working towards that. So giving towards Krishna is like part of the equation. Right. Yeah. And in that phase of life, you might not have all the time in the world to dedicate your senses. So that's why a key word, it says sacrifice the object of the senses. So as Priya had said, maybe you, you make some extra money that you can donate to the temple or you yeah. can donate anything that you make. And so it's basically like, yeah, listing out a way that whatever phase of life you're in, you can dedicate to spiritual life. So you can make different sacrifices depending on where you are in life. And who right. you are. Yeah. Got it. Right. Anything else on this There's verse, guys? One line here in the purport I love. It says, since human life is not meant for our enjoying sense gratification like animals, the four orders of human life are so arranged that one may become perfect in spiritual life. So basically saying... It's not, as we had said, illusion is thinking it's all for sense gratification, but no, no, no. We can, I mean, we can enjoy, uh, we went to the beach the other day with my family. I enjoyed that time, but there's something beyond that that we're trying to cultivate within our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while you were at the beach, you were probably chanting some rounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We went on a Joppa walk (laughs) with my family. (laughs) Krishna's always in there. Yes. 100%. And that concludes our episode for today, ladies and gentlemen. We will start again with our next episode for chapter four, text number 27. Sweet. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. See you soon. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Hello, 
beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.